Medpeds in a Podcast. This is the week of July 11th. Let's get started. So this week for our pediatric article, uh, sticking with the theme we established last week with poop, um, taking a look at an article that came out in the most recent issue of pediatrics called the Fecal Microbiota Profile and Bronchiolitis in Infants. Um, so basically, is there any sort of relation or association with what is in a kid's gut and if they get bronchiolitis? Um, so basically, this was actually a case control study. So in just thinking about that, it's just picking people who all have the same disease process. So uh, less strong type of uh, evidence than uh, the RCTs that we're used to, but happens in pediatrics. So basically... Um, this was a multi-center study where they prospectively collected stool samples from 40 kids who got sent to the hospital for bronchiolitis. Uh, they compared that to hundred-and-something um, age match controls, but they had actually 40 kids who uh, were sent in for bronchiolitis. And they basically used some gene sequencing uh, to try to figure out what was in their gut uh, in the stool samples of both arms. And so... Um, in general, it looks like the characteristics of their population is pretty similar to what you might expect for bronchiolitis, you know, two months to two years kind of thing. Uh, so their median age was three months and a little bit more male. But uh, basically they found um, they were able to identify different clusters of um, fecal gut bacteria, basically. Um, and there were sort of four profiles that they used as categories. Um, and in the end it turns out that the cluster that had um, bacterioides dominance uh, in the gut of these kids, that was actually associated with a higher likelihood of bronchiolitis. Um, so um, there were probably, in the study they did, about a little under a third of the kids had that variant, but um, the rate of bronchiolitis in those kids was about 44%. Um, so... Overall, like this is not a study that proves that anything happened. It is uh, a cohort study and it is strictly correlative, but it does suggest that there might be further direction that we could take this research um, because we know, sort of like last week, there are things that you do that you can do to alter what is in a kid's gut. Um, so, you know, whether or not testing will become affordable enough so that we could sort of prospectively know if they have a gut uh, that makes them more likely. So based on this study, I would say that there's an association between the bacterioides um, kids. You know, is there something we can do to alter that uh, that might alter some sort of protective effect? Um, so not very high strength of, um, you know, changing practice, uh, but some interesting thoughts. Um, poop is all the rage these days, apparently. Uh, so now turning to the adult side, um, in the uh, July 14th issue of the New England Journal, uh, there's an interesting article about uh, chemo and nausea and what you can do to prevent it. Uh, so anybody who's rotated through E1 surely knows that uh, nausea or chemotherapy-induced nausea and emesis is a pretty big deal and something that we would like to be able to uh, prevent for these patients who are already suffering a ton. And uh, e, Medi is one of the places where we use 
different drugs in addition to what we would standardly use on the floor, stuff like Zofran and Phenergan. So it, we use steroids, um, we use other, like a 5-HT3 blocker, the Granisetron. Um, we use a couple different things to try to prevent nausea. So this article is entitled Olanzapine for the Prevention of Chemotherapy-Induced Nausea and Vomiting. Um, so basically, this was a randomized, double-blind, phase three trial um, comparing uh, olanzapine to placebo in preventing chemo-induced nausea and vomiting in addition to sort of what they were already doing. So in this study, uh, they had they were, use, they were already using as much as they could to reduce nausea, so it included steroids with dexamethasone um, and a couple other things like um, eripitant and a, and a 5-HT3 antagonist. So that everybody got that, whether you were in the olanzapine group or the placebo group. Um, so they ended up having 380 patients, um, and all of these patients, I believe, were getting cisplatin, or cyclophosphamide and doxorubicin. So, you know, again, not all chemo comers, but uh, a good proportion of our patients certainly get those things too. And so of this uh, 380 patients, um, the proportion of the patients with no chemotherapy-induced nausea was significantly greater with olanzapine compared to placebo. So that they measured at uh, the first 24 hours after chemo and then also um, the 25th hour to, the, to about 120 hours out. Um, and so, and then also the people who were more like, who completed their entire chemo regimen um, because they were able to tolerate it, presumably due to decreased side effects, um, was higher. So people with olanzapine were more likely to finish. So this is some evidence that maybe we have a new tool. Uh, I think some people probably do use this. Um, olanzapine traditionally is one of the things that we think of as an atypical antipsychotic, but it does block multiple neurotransmitters. So dopamine at all the like D1 through 4 receptors, but also serotonin. And I think a lot of this is thought to be serotonergic. So the 5-HT, that's your serotonin stuff. Um, but it does, I mean, it does a whole bunch of other things. That's why we always monitor those people because there can be a lot of side effects. So um, interesting and, and perhaps promising for the people who are considering uh, hemonc. And then to turn to the clinic corner for this week, we had everyone's favorite developmental milestones. Um, and basically, there's no way in a podcast that I can tell you all the things that you need to know. Um, there is a chart in the Feeds and Review article on page four that go, well, it starts on page four because there's so many milestones that goes through the things that we're expected to know. Uh, and in general, we try to break down the milestones into different categories, and they're basically they mirror um, essentially what you might see on your ASQ that you hand out. Um, so you have gross motor, fine motor, problem solving, social emotional, and then language. Uh, it also includes a category called self help. Um, but so highlights, I will breeze through briefly uh, for a couple things that I feel I've seen pop up in questions. But then I'll focus in on the red flags. Um, of when to start to get freaked out or refer. Um, so all the people with kids can tell you all this stuff way better than any of us, but you shouldn't um, count on the milestones that doctor's kids have because it'll totally skew you. Uh, like our former chief, uh, I'm pretty sure his kid was writing his thesis when he was six months old, so whatever. Um, so, but so for a typical two-month-old, things that you think about, they should be able to socially smile. So two-month is one of the times that we see them in clinic. Um, they're getting their shots. So 
um, if you're not super scary, <laughs> um, in theory, they should be able to socially smile for you. Moving on to four months, um, when you look at that kid as they come back two months later, at this point, one of the most important things is they don't have a head lag. So they should have pretty good head control at this point. When you're picking them up, their head shouldn't flop back on their neck or anything like that. Um, rolling is variable, but you can start to see them rolling front to back at this point. And maybe they're starting to reach for things in their environment, like a rattle, and they may even have a laugh. It's a fun age of starting to turn into people. Um, somewhere around seven months is when you might expect them to be able to sit um, independently without uh, support. Then at eight months is when they start turning into little troublemakers. They can start to be mobile. They get the commando crawl going on. They may be able to say something like dada, um, some simple syllables as far as language goes. Uh, but they also have enough personality to be able to shake their head no. Um, they also have enough sort of fine motor control to be able to finger feed, so uh, stuff like Cheerios, little small things. Uh, when you get to about a year old, about 12 to 13 months, that's when I typically think of kids um, being able to walk. Um, they also have enough control to be able to drink from a cup, you know, albeit messily, uh, and they have a little bit more language. They probably have, you know, two or three words even by this point. Uh, and then about 15 months, they should be able to start doing stairs or at least going upstairs, you know, one foot at a time with maybe with a little bit of assistance. Um, in general, in the second or third year, I think of that time as sort of a language explosion. Um, their, their words increase exponentially during that year. Um, and then the rest of the things I think we're a little bit more solid on is sort of those month to month variability things that come up in your prep questions and board, board setting and all that. Um, but just three red flags that the article points out, which I think are good to think about, um, are so if you see a four-month-old and they don't have head control, that's, that's bad. You should have mastered that by then. So if you, if you are flopping all over the place and it's like you don't have a neck, um, that's a red flag and you should do something about it. Um, and then similarly, if, if by nine months you haven't figured out how to sit by yourself, then maybe something's up and you should, you should look into that as well. Um, and then the next sort of big gross motor thing uh, would be walking. So if you're 18 months old, you've had time to try to maybe figure that out. So 18 months, can't walk, uh, those are concerning. Um, yeah, so that's just a brief look at a couple things uh, in the literature for this week. Um, hope you enjoy, suggestions always welcome. So this is your captain speaking. I hope everybody has a great week. Mm -hmm.